light. It remains one of the greatest achievements of mankind. A good pilot respects his plane. He checks and double checks every aspect of it to ensure its soundness. Much like an airplane, our lives have gauges that indicate the condition of our lives. We must respect them. We must check them and double check them to ensure that we are rising to new heights. This we are calling Altitude Assessment. Well, and that's what we've been doing here in the last three weeks is altitude assessment. Uh, three weeks ago, we took a look at who was in the pilot seat of our lives. You know, we've seen those bumper stickers that say, God is my co-pilot. And we talked about the fact that if God is your co-pilot, you need to switch seats. You're in the wrong seat. God needs to be the pilot. He needs to be the center of all things in our life. Uh, we need to be somewhere back in the baggage compartment, kind of along for the ride. Two, two weeks ago, uh, we looked at, at our compass, how the principles of this world, uh, the human logic and understanding that goes on in our culture today is a lot like magnetic north. Um, it moves around. It changes. Uh, we saw that magnetic north actually moves 35 to 50 miles every year. One, uh, either right now it's currently heading west, depending on the, the tilt of the earth on its axis. Um, and, and how worldly principles are a lot like that. They change. Um, but how Jesus Christ is, is really our true north. He, he, is, he is a geographical place that never changes, never moves. He's always the same. And, and we need to trust Him completely. And then last week, uh, we assessed our altitude. Uh, the fact that we must compare ourselves to Christ, not one another. Um, that we need to rid our lives. We were deeply challenged with the sin in our life, as Paul spoke to us last week out of the book of Colossians chapter 3. We need to put to death those things in our life that are sin. We need to rid our life of that. And, and we, need to live, uh, we need to live as the new creations that we are. Paul says that the old has gone and the new has come. When, when Christ comes into our life, we are a new creation. And that, that we focus our eyes and our hearts on the things above, not the things on this earth. It's all very good news. And, and Paul actually continues with that good news this morning and with a challenge. He leaves the, the people in, in Colossae with, and he leaves us, us with as well. So, um, ultimately, Jesus Christ is the pilot that we can trust more than any other. And we need to leave the flying to Him. Now, when you're flying, what is the most important thing on your mind when you begin to approach the airport? It's the landing, isn't it? Uh, you, you are looking, you are hoping, you are expecting, because these are professional pilots, a smooth landing. Uh, I was in a plane one time. We were flying from Los Angeles. It was a charter flight from Los Angeles to Phoenix, Arizona. And the pilot landed the plane so hard we hit the ground so hard. You know those, those um, compartments that hold the little lights and the, the vents and the oxygen mask? 
Six of those fell off of the ceiling, came crashing down on people. That was not a smooth landing at all. It was pretty rough. And then there was this other time, I think Sarah and I were together on this flight, and, and you know that flight, you come in and, and you touch down, it's like, oh, that was a nice landing. And I think I said that out loud. And then the plane came back off of the tarmac, and then it sat down again, and I said, ah, oh, there was another good landing. Two in one. Um, but there are important things that a pilot must know about everything around him and, and what is right there in front of him if he's going to have a smooth landing. Um, back when, when I was current and flying, I'll tell you what, it's been tough going through this series and, and not talking to my wife about maybe, you know, spending a little money on some more, some more lessons so that I can get current again. I, I mean, I had to spend some time with, with, a, with a, an instructor, and uh, I, I, I really do miss it. I, I love to fly. Um, but, but back when I was current and flying regularly, um, I had an interesting experience uh, with landing when I was in the pilot seat. And, and actually, he had to leave early, but Pastor Brad was sitting in the, the, the other seat right next to me. And, and we went up in the air for this uh, sort of joy ride, you know, to fly around Platte County and Goshen County and take a look at things. And while we were in the air, the wind came up. And, uh, you know, I, I was familiar with wind, had, had practiced in wind a lot, um, and it was a southwest wind, to be exact, and it was pretty stiff and gusty. And, uh, and, and then as we're approaching the airport uh, from the west, um, you know, it's uh, Torrington Air Traffic. This is November 3734 Foxtrot. Um, we're, we're coming in. Uh, we're going to be downwind for runway 28. And um, I hear this other airplane somewhere out in, I, I, don't, I can't see it, but I hear him. So I'm immediately put on edge that there's another plane up here and I don't want to wreck. I don't want to crash into him. I need to know where he is. So I'm looking around him, trying to keep myself, you know, in, in line with the runway. And, uh, and then as I try to make the next call, I'm about to turn on, on, on the base leg. Um, the little push button on the yoke of the airplane stops working to control the radio. So now I have to actually reach, let go and, and reach up and grab the what looks like a CB mic off of the dash you know, talk into it and then somehow find the hook again to, you know, you guys have driven truck, you know what that's like, um, to find the hook again and hang it up and, and I'm trying to communicate, I'm trying to deal with the wind, I'm worried about this other pilot that's out there. We finally turn on final to, to runway 28, which would be heading this direction, and, uh, and it's a pretty stiff crosswind and so I'm having to slip the plane, which means you turn it in and you, you hit the opposite rudder so that the plane kind of does this number and uh, we are just about ready to set down. And, and again, I'm nervous uh, because of all of this other stuff that's going on. We're just about ready to set down. And a big gust of wind comes up and picks the plane up and moves it off of the runway over the grass. And I have a decision to make, a quick decision to make. Am I going to set the plane down in the grass? Or am I going to try and get up enough speed again because my instructor um, taught uh, power off landing. So there hasn't been any throttle on the plane since the bottom end of the, of the downwind leg. We've been floating. And, uh, I, I, and this happens kind of in a matter of seconds. I look down to the grass to see if I think I can set it down there. And it dawns on me that earlier that spring they had, they had hayed the, the infield. And uh, there were no bales out there, but there were these, they, they picked the bales up when it was really muddy. And there were these ruts running this direction, uh, 
counter to us as I'm about ready to set this down. And I'm thinking to myself, I can just picture myself in that split second flipping over and ending up on, on our top. And I'm like, that's okay. Choice made. You know, hit the throttle, ease up on the flap so we don't set down anyway. And, and I look at Brad and he looks at me and we look at the trees at the end on the west end of the airport. Big cottonwood trees. And I've had lots of these dreams, right? Um, where you don't make it. You don't, you don't get over the trees. And, and we got up enough speed. The plane lifted. We got over the trees. I mean, there could have been dramatic music playing. It, it could have, if there were cameras on the other side, it could have been like a scene from Memphis Bell where they, they just come over the trees. And we get back up in the air and I look at Pastor Brad and I say, are you all right? And he, looked, and he says, yeah, I'm all right. Are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm all right. Nerves of steel, right? I'm, I'm doing fine. We, uh, we do this again, um, actually, and, and he, he, uh, he said, yes, it was. It was a smooth landing. We touched down. We parked the plane. We tied it down, um, visited for a couple minutes. He got in his car and, and left. I got in my car. And, and have you ever been in one of those situations where you're shaking so bad you can't even push the clutch in? That's where I was right there at that moment. I just, I just started shaking, realizing what, really, what had just happened. You see, um, in order to execute that smooth landing, there had to be lots of factors, and some of those factors were out of my control. I didn't choose to have a gust of wind come up and move the plane off uh, of the runway. It just did. And, and so Paul is going to talk to us in Colossians today about how evangelistically, we can have a smooth landing. How, how he's going to talk about two things. He's going to talk about talking to God about people, and then he's going to teach us about talking to people about God. So if you would turn to Colossians chapter 4, um, I would greatly appreciate that. It's page 1,167 in those Bibles that are under the seats. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab one of those um, Bibles underneath the seat and turn to page 1,167. Now, I told you this a couple weeks ago, but remember, remember this. A good landing is one from which you can walk away. A great landing is one after which you can use the plane again. Okay? When, when, when we, we want a, a smooth landing, and Paul's going to teach us about that this morning. So let's do this. It's only five verses. Let's stand. Um, uh, Roy's going to put it up on the screen in case you have the New American Standard or a New Living Translation or something other than the NIV 84. Um, let's stand and let's all um, repeat verses 2 through 6 together, beginning with verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your word as we read it here this morning. God, thank you for the authority that it has. Thank you for the inspiration that was given to Paul as he wrote it. And God, I pray that each one of us, no matter where on the journey of life we are, that we would hear what you have to say to us this morning. 
Father, clear our minds of those things that are, that are distractions and help us to focus only on You. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. So, the first interaction that Paul tackles is this. Speaking to people about God. Uh, number one in your notes. Speaking to people about God. Paul says in verse 2, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So Paul says, pray with perseverance. Pray with perseverance. Be devoted. Be earnest. Be constantly diligent. Pray continually, this word means. Too many times we give up too quickly. Now, I know I've said this before, but in our culture, where it's the microwave, get what you want, when you want it, and what you want kind of culture that we live in, uh, we give up way too quickly when it comes to prayer. When it comes to lots of things uh, in life, we give up way too quickly. Um, you know, we're accustomed to... Uh, as I said, the microwave or the television, you know, you, you click it on, you thumb through, you find something you like. And, you know, I, I find myself doing this after five or ten minutes. Ah, I'm not really interested in that. You try to find something else. And and then it's like you finally just shut it off. And and, and it just it just happens like this. And, and we begin to do that in our other areas of our lives, too. Maybe a hobby. Um, back in the old days, we would call it a fad. You know, you jump into something, you're all about it, you get all the tools and you get, get all the equipment that you need for that, and then after a week or two or three, it kind of loses its luster and we kind of cast it aside. Our, our kids do that with their Christmas presents, don't they? Ten minutes, they're playing with the box and the Christmas present is sitting over here. That's how much it affects us. And it begins to affect our prayer life. Um, we give up too quickly. We also, um, we don't commit to something in the first place because, because of this part of the culture that, that we live in. Um, you, you hear advertised in church on a Sunday morning, hey, we're going to have a 10-week class. And you immediately think, wow, 10 weeks? That's a long time. There's no way I could commit to something for 10 weeks. I mean, if I were to commit to something for 10 weeks on a Wednesday night, what if something more fun might come up on another Wednesday night? Then, then what do I do? And so we don't do it at all. Uh, we, we need to commit. We, we need to not live our lives like a fad. Let's not let our prayer lives become a fad for sure. Paul says, persevere in your prayer. Um, be devoted. Be constantly diligent. We're to pray in this way. Finding ways to make it a part of our everyday life. Not just a week or two, but day after day, week after week, year after year. Praying with perseverance. <clears throat> Being thankful and watchful to God for everything in our lives. This was really important for the Colossians in their day because they were being confronted with, with new teachings and, and things that, that were counter to what the apostles were teaching them about who Jesus Christ was and, and what He did for them, which isn't a lot different than our own culture, is it? There are lots of voices out there. There are lots of people that, that are trying to get your ear to listen to and believe what they have to say. But ultimately, we know it's God's Word, and we must pray with perseverance and resist our culture that is speaking against the truth of Jesus Christ. And we must not speak to God simply for ourselves, which that involves, but we must also pray for one another. Pray for one another persistently. Paul implies this in Colossians when he says, also pray for us, assuming that you're already praying for each other. He's more specific in other passages. Ephesians 6, chapter 18. He says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray for one another. Now, one of the ways that we pray for one another here at North Hills is through a prayer chain. Uh, anytime you have an emergency or something you need pray for, prayed for, you can call the church, you can call me, you can send me a text message, an email, or a Facebook message. And I'll usually get those in pretty good time. And what I will do then is, since you've given me permission and you've asked for people to pray for that, I cut and paste it to an email and it goes out to everybody that's on the prayer chain list and everybody that receives that, when they receive it, they begin praying right then for that. Uh, maybe, maybe you would like to be a part of that prayer chain. Maybe you would commit, maybe this is a way that you could become devoted to praying for one another in receiving those. Not for gossip's sake, just so you know what's going on, but so you can cry out to the God of the universe on behalf of someone else in your church. We saw, we saw this happen last week with, with Dale Wickham. I mean, I got that, that um, actually, I think it was a text message from, from Sarah, and, and she was just talking about how discouraged everybody was and, and how down they were, and so that went out, and we began praying for that. And then the next day, I, I talked to, uh, to Robin, and Robin's like, oh man, it's great. And I'm like, what? It was totally depressing the day before. What happened? God answered our prayers. We cried out to Him. He heard us, and He answered. We need to pray for one another. Persevere on all occasions, Paul says in 6.18. Constantly, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Keep on praying for all the saints. Pray for one another. So as we take our personal assessments this morning, let me ask you this. How's your prayer life? Are you persistently praying? Are you persevering in prayer? Or are you one of those people like I've been before where Somebody asks you to pray, you say, yeah, I'll pray. And then you might remember. No, let's pray immediately. And then let's continue to intercede for that person before God. Let's be devoted to prayer for one another. Paul then says in verse 3, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. This verse is amazing to me. Paul is saying, first of all, pray for your pastors. He's saying pray for us apostles is what he's saying. But in, in our current translation, um, in, in our context, it would be pray for your pastors. Pray for your leaders. Pray for those who God has specifically placed in positions to bring, bring the message, to preach and teach the message of the gospel. Here's the amazing thing about that, though. Paul ask for prayer that God would open doors where the gospel can be proclaimed. You know what I would be praying? I would be praying that God would open the doors so I could get out of prison. That's what I would be praying. And as I read that and as I thought about that, I thought, wow, man, that's not very Christ-centered thinking. I, I need to grow. You need to pray for me. Paul, Paul is chained on a hard stone probably floor with guards around him and when he's writing this letter it's kind of I think this was one of the last letters he wrote and the thing he asked for is not for, for God to give him his freedom but that the doors might be opened that he could proclaim the gospel what a Christ centered man Paul was 
Jesus took precedent over everything in Paul's life. Even his freedom. Even his life. So please, pray for your pastors that the proclamation of Christ would be our central concern. Pray for us that we would be bold, Paul says in other letters. That that we would preach fearlessly. Which is another amazing thing to think about Paul because you know we, we kind of put Paul up here on this pedestal as this incredible hero of the faith proclaiming the gospel throughout all of Asia. Yet Paul acknowledges right here that he needs people to pray that he could, could uh, profess fearlessly. He, he still had fear. He's still human. And if you've ever been afraid, you need to recognize that Paul was afraid as well. We all need to grow in many areas as pastors just as each of you need to grow. So our pastoral staff needs your prayers daily. And we also need you to pray for the fearless proclamation of Christ. The fearless proclamation of Christ. Again, you would think Paul the Apostle transformed by Jesus Christ the way that he would would always be able to speak boldly and with courage. But here he asked for prayer. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, up here on the screen, Paul said it this way, Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, remember this Mystery of the gospel that Paul is talking about is he's not talking about mystery as we think of a mystery, like that's a mystery. You, you don't know how it's going to end or it's hidden or it's mysterious in some, in some way. He's talking about the mystery of the gospel as something that was once hidden but has now been revealed. At one time it was hidden, but now it has been revealed. It is faith in Christ for salvation. Okay, Paul was human just like we are. He needed to have boldness. He needed courage so that he could take advantage of every, every opportunity and that presented itself and not shrink away from it. Now, when you think of people that are evangelists, again, we need to re, redefine that word, and we're going to do that probably one Sunday in the next five weeks during the next series. But when you think about that, Oftentimes, you think of somebody standing on a street corner yelling at people as they're walking by. That's not what Paul's talking about. Paul is not talking about being bold in presenting Christ in a rude way or in an unloving way, which he's going to address also in a couple of verses. But with boldness, with, with faithfulness, Christ-centered people living Christ-centered lives every day. Simply testifying to what God is doing in your life today or what He did in your life yesterday. So, in our altitude assessment, as we seek to make a smooth landing, we need to speak to God on behalf of people. Devoted to prayer every day, praying for one another and our pastors that we will fearlessly proclaim Christ. But along with the boldness, we also need some wisdom. Paul understands this. We need to know what to do when we experience those adverse conditions, those atmospheric conditions that we have no control over. 
We need to know what to do in those cases. So Paul, just before the conclusion of his letter to the Colossians, gives us some personal advice on speaking to people about God. We are called to give answers. We are called to give testimony to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul says in verse 4, Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So, in speaking to people about God, we need to be clear. We need to be clear. Now, here's a church sign I saw this week. I want you to tell me if you think it's clear. I'm not talking about the photograph either. I'm talking about the message. Yeah, you're kind of getting it, aren't you? God's love is unconditional. They should have stopped there. But then they had to put a condition on it. As long as you are obeying Christ. In fact, they were so confused, they spelled unconditional wrong. It's not very clear. Here's the thing. Jesus was clear. Jesus was clear in His message. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. It's in Christ alone that we receive salvation and eternal life. It's in Christ alone. John 3.16, Jesus says again, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life comes from what? From believing in Jesus Christ. And then Paul again, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, says it very clearly that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's clear. If, if you've ever been confused on salvation, memorize those three verses right there. It's, it's very clear. It's very clear. We need to be clear when we're talking to people about Jesus Christ. And we can be clear. We can be clear. And if you don't think you know enough to be clear, I understand that. I get that. I know that we have people on every part of the spiritual journey here. There's, there's people here who have not crossed the line of faith yet. You're not sure about Jesus or if He's real or, or why we would even think that the Bible has authority or we should believe everything that it says. That's where you are. And, and I understand that. I get that. We need to be clear to you as well so that you can understand and you can hear the truth. There are many in this room who we're all growing. We're all growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. But the key is to continue growing. Now, it's happening right now at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings for the adult Sunday school class. They're going through the Becoming a Contagious Christian course. And I was talking to someone just before the service, and they're like, you know what? Um, I, noticed, I noticed somebody posted on Facebook that God was good, and I've never known this person to be spiritual at all. So, um, you know, we're going through this Contagious Christian um, series, and it's talking about um, teaching us how anyone, anyone can share with someone about Jesus Christ with the gifts that you have. She says, I'm, I'm going to call this person and see if she would be interested in coming to church. What a great idea! Anybody can do that. Any of us could do that. We could call somebody and invite them to come to church. And, and we work hard on Sunday mornings to be clear 
to be clear with the message that God has given us. So maybe you would be someone, you're not in the class now, who would commit to, to taking that class sometime in the year 2013. Um, and, and I want you to think about that. I want you to pray about that. Maybe you would take that class and it would help you to recognize that you too, even if you don't think you could, could clearly share the gospel and be a part of someone's process of coming to faith in Christ. Well, that excites me. It, it excites me to think that, that all of us would be engaged in doing that. And I believe that we all can. So let's be clear when speaking to people about God. Paul also says that we should be smart. That we should be smart. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity, he says. So let's be smart when we, um, in how we act toward those outside the church. What does Paul mean? Well, number one, he's talking about our behavior. He's saying we come into contact with people outside the church all the time. We need to be men and women of integrity. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to use proper language. See, all of those things are, are either going to point someone towards Christ or away from Christ. Which one are we using? Think about your attitude toward people. Think about the interactions that you have. Last week's message fits in right, right here. People see how we live our lives. It's important, Paul says. It's important all the time. And Paul says we should make the most of every opportunity. If they have a question, we should answer it. If we don't know the answer, we should say, you know what, that's a great question. Let me see if I can find the answer to that. Be clear, be smart, and make the most of every opportunity. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We have the light. We have the light in the midst of a dark world. Let's not dim it. Let's not dim it by not being smart. Let me give you another illustration, and you can tell me if this is smart. Does anyone recognize the name Westboro Baptist Church? Yeah. I hate the fact they have Baptist in their name. You know, I've probably said enough right there. But there might be someone in here who's not familiar with it, and I don't want you to go home and Google Westboro Baptist Church necessarily. So, so you don't just have to actually search for it. It is, I refuse actually, I'm going to call them a group. Um, they're in Kansas. Um, I feel for those people that live in the community near them um, because they're with them every day. But, but this church, this church, this group actually began as a church plant. And then when they received this certain pastor, he took the theology and he took the church and he took a 180 degree turn and went the other direction. Um, they were never to be heard from again from the church that was trying to plant them. Um, now, our, our internet web address for, for North Hills and uh, you need to go home and you need to look that up, northhillsbaptist.net, brand new website starting today. Um, check it out. Look at all the cool stuff on there. Um, we're going to be talking about that more in the next five weeks as well. Some tools that are available to us all there. I think Ty was pretty wise when he picked northhillsbaptist.net as our web address. That's a pretty smart thing. Do you know what Westboro Baptist Church's web address is? www.godhatesfags.com 
That is the address. And that just makes me angry. Praise God that most people look at this church and know that it's hateful and that it doesn't speak the same language that we do. But there's still, it's not a smart message. And, and I don't know how they could read all of Scripture and do the things, the pickets, and, and all the hateful speech that they do and claim to be following it. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Yes, yes, God hates sin. We don't say anything other than that from here. God hates sin and He takes it very seriously. But if Jesus acted the way that this group does toward people, the account of the woman that was caught in adultery that was brought before Jesus would have turned out a whole lot different. Because Jesus was perfect. And if anybody had the right to throw a stone, He did. And He didn't. He didn't. Why? Because He's a gracious God. He's a loving God. Not one who is willing to put up with sin, no. But one who loves people. In fact, uh, if you want to look at that later, it's John chapter 8. And it says, After everyone put down their stones and left, and it was just Jesus of the woman, Jesus asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she answered, No one, sir. And Jesus says, Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. God hates sin. But He also loves people. He loves people. Jesus is incredible. And let's follow His example and be smart. Now there's some, one last thing uh, that, that I just want to mention. There, there are a few tickers on this website. They give statistics and numbers and some of them are changing. And, and the last one on on Westboro Baptist Church's website is a ticker that says this. Zero nanoseconds of sleep that WBC members lose over your opinions and feelings. I don't get it. I don't get it. What good is that doing? None. None. We, we need to listen to Paul. And we need to be smart. And Paul goes on to say this in verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In other words, be loving. Be loving. Let your conversation be full of grace. Let's speak the truth, yes, but let's speak it in love. Let's speak it in such a way that it adds salt to the conversation and it makes the person thirsty. It, it makes them hungry and, and crave more of what we're talking about. Let's not be rude and insensitive. Let's be prepared so that we know how to answer people when they do ask a question. Many times in our conversations when we're praying and looking for opportunities, God gives us those opportunities and, and we don't even have to start the conversation. The other person asks us the question and we simply testify to the truth. And we get a divine opportunity to answer their question. And when we get those, let's always be full of grace. Let's be full of grace all the time. Every conversation, full of grace. It's tough to do in our politically um, fired up 
kind of independent culture. But Paul says, yes, do this. So, in light of today's message, I want you to take a look at those two action points at the end of your note sheet. They're also on the Connect card. If, if you haven't been taking notes, grab that Connect card out. And, and I want you to consider committing to attending the Contagious Christian Study this year. Now, I don't want you to commit this morning and then, and then not do that. If you're, if you're thinking, you know what, God, you have spoken into my heart today, and I believe this is something you want me to do, I'm going to commit to it. Mark it. I will take the, con- the Contagious Christian class this year. I'm going to take it. I haven't taken it yet. I may take it as I teach it um, on a night or during the day, but I'm going to take it. The other one you might mark is this. I will devote myself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And if you mark it, begin to take steps to pray persistently. Maybe you... Maybe you um, you know, maybe you pray in your car in the morning when you're on your way to work, and that's something you're going to intentionally do every day. You got 15 or 20 minutes. I'm going to spend that. I'm going to turn the radio off. I'm going to try and get those thoughts of yesterday out, and I'm I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray during that time. Or maybe maybe you would sign up for for the 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 prayer um, the prayer team the prayer chain, and if if you think you were on it and you're not receiving those. Give me your address again, please. Um, me and technology wrestled a little bit again this week. I think I got it figured out. Um, but if you would commit to being a part of that, write that down. So let's be faithful in talking to God about other people, praying for one another. And let's be faithful in talking to other people about God. Father, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you. Uh, Lord, I thank you for people in the room who are shocked at messages like Westboro Baptist Church try to teach. God, I, I thank you that there are people in the room who, who got upset and maybe a little sick to their stomach when they hear a message like that that's being spewed out literally all over the country. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would raise us up as a church who loves you and loves people. That, that we would be clear in our, in our understanding of your word and that we would look for all of those opportunities where we can sprinkle the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ like salt in conversations, full of grace. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you didn't stone the woman that was caught in adultery. Thank you that you forgive us when we come to you and we repent. And I pray, Lord, now as we close the service that this song would be a... God, that it would be an anthem to You, worship to You. In Jesus' name, Amen.